Hello, I'm Paul McDonald, Senior Executive Director at Robert Half. On behalf of Chris Wright, Managing Director of Protivity, and myself, thank you for joining today's Forward Thinking session. Forward Thinking is another in a long line of valuable resources from the FEI. As finance changes at an unprecedented rate, the Forward Thinking program provides a unique opportunity to hear from leaders in the profession on how they're adapting to this new environment, including challenges they face and how they're addressing these issues. Robert Half and Protivity are excited to support the FEI and the Forward Thinking program, and we look forward to hearing the insights of today's financial leaders. Thank you, Paul. Protivity and Robert Half are proud of our long-standing support for FEI and its members and pleased to help deliver this new program. As challenging as navigating the pandemic and resulting changes to accounting and finance functions and business processes has been, we've been pleased to see many financial leaders sharing their expertise and best practices to help others in the profession. Forward Thinking promises to be another great forum for this, and I'm excited to hear from today's guest, Terry Reinseth, Vice President, Corporate Controller, and Chief Accounting Officer of 3M, and all the leaders in upcoming sessions. Enjoy today's discussion, and please join us for the upcoming sessions in the Forward Thinking series as well. Best of luck as you navigate the future and move your organizations forward. This is Chris Westfall, and this is the Financial Executive Podcast. Hi, everybody. It's Chris Westfall here at FEI. Um, I head up content and uh, research uh, at FEI, and I want to welcome you to today's discussion, which I think is going to be uh, truly amazing and, and insightful. Um, and um, I want to thank our, our speaker for agreeing to be with us today. And that would be Terry Reinseth, um, Corporate Controller and Chief Accounting Officer at 3M. Um, you know, 3M has been such a, a, a key part of how the United States is dealing with the pandemic. Um, I really want to thank her for joining us to have these discussions. And I want to thank also um, Robert Half of Protivity for uh, sponsoring this. Uh, we can't do these sort of things without the uh, partnership and the support of Robert Half. Um, the idea behind Forward Thinking is um, really to have discussions with financial leaders like yourselves about how they're dealing with the changing environment and the changing um, uh, aspect, all changing aspects uh, that everybody's dealing with. There's no real playbook to this anymore. And so um, speaking with these leaders, I encourage you to um, check out, uh, besides today, check out today the upcoming discussions. As you can see, we have a pretty incredible lineup of people we're speaking to, uh, including um, uh, financial executives from the National Urban League, uh, the Mayo Clinic, and the Kansas State Chiefs. Um, all of those these leaders, like Terry, who are dealing with you know incredible upheaval uh, in today's um, today's economy and today's marketplace. Um, 
first, before we start, I want to give a little bit background on 3M. Uh, obviously, um, you know, if you're not familiar with 3M, you should be. It is uh, a Fortune 500 company, uh, long history of innovation uh, in manufacturing and, and uh, in different industries. Um, 96,000 employees with operations in 60 countries, um, 60,000 products. Um, so if you can think about, you know, how that is being affected by you know, global supply chain issues, it's, it's truly massive. Um, uh, core values, customer focus, innovation. And also, I, I bring your attention to, uh, on this slide, 3M's contributions to supporting frontline healthcare workers. Um, you know, not only in what it's doing to uh, in its normal course of business, but beyond that, and um, in research, in uh, just relief funds, um, it's something that is truly uh, thoughtful and amazing. Um, before we start the program, I introduce Terry. We're going to take one poll question um, to set the stage. So, Michelle, I think uh, I'll kick it over to you for the poll question. Have you put a permanent plan in place to operate your finance operation if the pandemic continues into 2021? Please be sure to make your selections and press submit in order for your answer to be recorded. The polling question is going to show up right in your slides window where the presentation will be held. Please also be sure to submit any questions you have for our speaker for today and they will get answered as soon as we can. Give me about 10 more seconds left to respond and we'll move to the results. And here are our results. Well, that's, uh, that, that's fairly interesting, I, uh, whether or not you have a permanent plan in place. I think it's pretty evenly split. So that's something um, we can have a discussion with Terry about. Um, but, uh, yeah, let's kick it off. Uh, Terry, how are you doing? Hi, good morning, Chris. Sure, I'm doing well, and I'm yeah. glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. Maybe you could start off the discussion a little bit about your background and your role at 3M right now. Sure. So um, as you mentioned, I'm um, the vice president of finance. I'm 3M's controller and the chief accounting officer. I've had this role for about a year and a half. Um, I've been with 3M about 15 years. I started my career uh, with uh, Arthur Anderson. So that dates me a little bit. Um, and then I spent some time um, as a, a controller with a consumer packaged good company before I joined 3M. Um, my roles at 3M, I've had many over the 15 years I've been there. Most of them um, embedded in our businesses as their finance leader. Um, so when I took this uh, technical role about a year and a half ago as the chief accounting officer and controller, it really brought me back to my accounting roots. Yeah, that's, that's going to be important as we go into the discussion about your role with operations and, and how you deal with it. But I wanted to start off the discussion 
a little bit about, you know, a lot of people talk about today, there's BC and AC before Corona and after Corona. Uh, so yeah. maybe you could describe a little bit about um, how the finance operations have altered, uh, you know, been altered by the COVID crisis. Yeah, so I would say, Chris, we've been pretty significantly altered. Um, we have, um, in my organization, I've got about 800 people around the globe, and my um, group is responsible uh, controllers, so closing the books, external reporting, and technical accounting. And we also have three global service centers that support that operation um, as well. And so absent our global service center, we largely worked in office settings alongside the rest of our colleagues. So maybe end of January, early February, we started getting some signals from our colleagues in China that things were starting to change a little bit. Um, and as that kind of moved west across the globe, to be honest, it almost felt like a light switch. You know, the, the third week of March, suddenly we were all working from home. And so that was quite different um, from a group of us that largely worked in the office. Um, and so when it became clear that we were going to be closing our March books or our first quarter results remotely, this was a first for 3M. I mean, we really had never done this before. And so we set, um, we set our sights on a plan um, on how we would accomplish that. And I would say sort of step one in that plan was like checking in with our employees. Like, where are you? How are you doing? Do you have the right tools, computers, laptops, monitors, you know, keyboards, all this simple stuff. Um, and then our second step and maybe um, equally as important was creating a new partnership with IT. Like we needed IT to be lockstep with us to make sure we could access systems and tools remotely and that we would have priority accessing systems remotely for the first two weeks of April. Um, and so we decided to um, stand up what we called control towers with our IT group over the month on close where every day, 24-7, um, we followed the sun in terms of identifying issues and escalating and getting them mitigated really quickly. We thought that was really important. Um, you know, we, we talked about, um, you know, what functions and information was inter interdependent, third parties. We, we structured like, here's our plan A, if everything goes well, here's a plan B, here's a plan C. I must admit, you know, there were a couple situations where we had to dig into our plan C um, in order to accomplish that. And I would say on top of that, just being in a new location, communicating differently with each other, we had to uh, assess a lot of new issues that COVID brought with it. Um, everything from AR to the valuation of our assets. You know, we had a, a laundry list of new things that we were looking through. Um, and then, you know, if I think more broadly about finance, um, Myself and my organization also supported broader finance activities we were doing. What were our cash flow needs? Um, what were our scenario plans? You know, how quickly, you know, in each of the scenarios would it return to normal? Um, and, and then ultimately creating plans to protect the um, company and as much of its um, sales and income as we could going forward. You know, whether that was reprioritizing resources to growth or 
for, you know, where we had paid vacations and paid furloughs and other cost saving programs. Finance takes a pretty significant um, lead in that. So I would say, Chris, our plan was overall like huge communication effort. We suddenly got probably closer and more connected than we ever had as a global team. Um, And then it was all about uh, planning and mitigating risk and then escalating. We created a very narrow, very quick um, escalation directly to myself and to the CFO if needed so that we could be really, um, you know, as quick in resolving issues as we could. And I would say, you know, maybe most grateful was my learning at what an awesome team I had, right? I figured that and knew that all along, but we had a lot of really good closes. We've had a lot of good closes working from home where we're faster and more efficient. And I think um, working remotely kind of took away a little bit of the noise we had that wasn't directly tied to some of the work we're doing. That's interesting. What was your, I mean, you said you've gone through a couple of closes uh, as a result, you know, post COVID. Were there any big surprises to you? What did you, you know, what did you think, what did you anticipate happening? What, what, if anything, was a really big surprise to you after, after the fact? You know, I think what we learned, um, what we learned, Chris, and we were doing this to some extent before, but um, doing as much as we could, setting direction and guidelines centrally. So we didn't have a lot of our team across the globe kind of scratching their heads or wondering who they're supposed to talk to or what was sort of the direction. Um, We did that on, on many areas of the closed process, particularly new things that were coming up tied to COVID. Um, You know, 3M also did a reorganization mid 2019, which reset um, the company and organized around the businesses. So in the past, we've been organized around, you know, subsidiaries or countries, and then the businesses kind of cut across those. And mid 19, we flipped that on its head and the businesses led. And so finance also took an opportunity to reorganize itself. So we had only organized around this new finance organization in Q1. And um, so we we created some challenges for ourselves too in, in how we would operate when suddenly we all went home to do our jobs. But I'll tell you, I think from a controller's perspective, it worked remarkably well um, in terms of being focused on, you know, what the new role and responsibility was. So I think that learning for us was, okay, how could we operate truly as a global organization, truly set global direction and guideline, and then learning that we really quickly had to escalate things. And if they were escalated in one country, in China, they likely were an issue in many other parts of the globe. And so we quickly tried to to get our arms around those to set the stage once and, you know, follow it across the globe. So what does, I guess the question would be, is like, where are you at as, as far as the finance, finance function is concerned about returning to full operations, not necessarily full operations, but new normal, or is there a, a new normal in this? 
Yeah, um, I would say, you know, the priorities we we set for ourselves when, you know, COVID was clearly going to be a a longstanding um, challenge for us in a a global pandemic. We focused first on employee safety, focused first on our plants, secondarily on all of our teams that could work effectively from home. Our second priority as an organization and a company was to fight the pandemic with our manufacturing operations and um, other support. And the third was, you know, ensuring our business continuity. So, you know, I've, I remain continue to be impressed with how well our teams are working from home. And in fact, I do think this, this changes a bit of the work and how we think about finance work, at least from our perspective at 3M going forward about what truly can be accomplished remotely. But I would say um, we're returning to the office in phases around the globe. Our colleagues in um, Asia Pacific and, and Europe are, you know, at least one to two phases ahead of the U.S. as an example. But it, it's moving pretty slowly based on the size, complexity, local requirements. Um, the good news is we can learn, um, you know, here in our headquarters, we're, we're learning what's working, what's not working as it comes sort of west around the globe. Um, but I do expect our, our work environment to change going forward. Um, I think it's going to be more flexible. And I think we're going to need to be more flexible, at least in the short and midterm, to individual situations and people who either can't come back to the office or, or don't want to come back to the office quite yet. So you know, I was going to follow up a little bit on that. So, um, you know, obviously you're the controller um, and you have responsibility over internal controls. How do you handle issues or internal control issues that don't really lend themselves to a remote environment? Yeah, so I would say over the last uh, several years, many of our internal financial controls are, I'll use the word automated, but I use that sort of lightly because I'll tell you one of the things that I, if I thought it before, it's a significant agenda item for me going forward, which is more digitization, standardization, and automation in our finance organization. That's like the key learning, one of the really key learnings for me. That being said, we have moved many of our controls to to not really having to be face-to-face or in-person. You know, they can be tested remotely, they can be reviewed remotely, but maybe more broadly because, you know, many of us in these roles and in finance, you know, lots of controls start upstream and then work their way back through finance, whether it's sourcing or HR, all those things. So we did sit down um, with internal audit back in early Q2 and sort of reassess the internal audit um, work plan and largely moved up a lot of high risk or what could be high risk audit work to happen earlier so that we could, you know, really face, um, you know, what some of those things might be. Um, We also do our process control owner and SOX testing throughout the year. So we're testing um, internal controls, you know, every single month. And 
you know, at, at 3M, many of our controls are monthly. Um, we have very little sort of annual controls. So we are able to gauge that the controls are effective, you know, even while working remotely. Um, and then I would say we have always done this, but maybe I feel a greater need, which is to stay connected to our compliance team. So that's largely led by our compliance officer and legal, but um, we periodically meet and are getting updates of things, you know, just to be aware of, just to think of, has it changed anything? Do we think we need to do something more different? And then I would say where there is a concern that perhaps something has changed or it's not working exactly as designed or expected, you know, we do follow up. You know, we are asking right. questions. We're using the financials as an analysis um, and using the controllers organization around the globe to go in and look, double check, ask lots of good questions. Right, right. So we're going to take one second out to ask the next polling question. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll kick that off and you'll answer it. Has anyone in your immediate family or workplace become ill as a result of COVID-19? Please be sure to make your selections on the slide screen and press submit once you are finished making your selection. Don't forget to submit any questions to the Q&A box as we should have some time at the end to go through them. We have about 10 more seconds left to respond and we'll move to the results. And here are our results. Interesting. So, yeah, so obviously, you know, it's, you know, a quarter of, of, of respondents that they, they have known somebody, uh, but still, um, you know, there are a lot of places that, you know, people are not directly uh, impacted by it, but obviously we all are in some way or another. Um, Terry, I wanted to, actually, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit or, or go to a audience question because I thought it was, it was pretty um, uh, interesting. Uh, and then also, um, please, you know, we want this to be interactive. So, you know, throw your questions in and, and we'll, we'll get to them as much as possible. Um, the question is, how much uh, consensus was there among leadership regarding the rules and uh, how rules are working effectively from home? And, and how do you deal with way, you know, people or sections where it's not really working effectively? Mm. Uh, so I would say where it's working most effectively is sort of task based work. So I'll just use the month and close as an example, right? Like there are tasks and there's a sequence and there's a result, right? So those are pretty easy to measure how well we're progressing through that process. And I think those have gone remarkably well. Like for, I'll speak from my own organization. We've had faster, more productive closes working from home than we had in our normal office setting. Um, and I can only say that it's got to be the focus and, and the removal of the noise um, and just sort of getting down to business. Um, 
maybe I would also say that, you know, we, we're a global company. We've always run global teams. We've always done a lot communicating on conference calls, but I'll tell you what, I don't know about everybody listening, but if your conference calls are anything like three M's, you spend like the first five or 10 minutes getting them ready to go and figuring out all the glitches. And then there's people in the room, you know, talking over each other inside conversations. I can tell you as we move to um, Microsoft Teams um, and have been using that kind of exclusively to host our meetings, chat, share files, the meetings have improved. You know, you're able to include more people in the conversation. There aren't all these side conversations. So I think that's been a good productivity tool. I would say the places that my team has maybe experienced more challenges in working from home is on the longer term initiatives and projects. So, you know, we set out 2020 with a, a list of what our priorities were going to be for the year. And then back in May, we regrouped and we said, hey, how well are we doing? Are there things we need to do different or reset for the second half of the year? And I think those new initiatives and getting new projects sort of kicked off where there's got to be some good creative juices and good brainstorming in that. I don't think we've probably all collectively as an organization nailed that. I think many of us miss sort of that face to face. But as I described, being part of a global company, you know, we did a lot of that remote anyways. But I would say that's perhaps been our more challenging piece. I guess if I think more broadly about finance, my colleagues in internal audit as an example, have significantly changed how they do their work. You know, right. all remote, you know, how do you facilitate facilitate audits in that way. So, you know, working together on some of that has definitely been challenging, but I would say it's going pretty well. Um, I want to ask you, um, you know, just from a controllership perspective, um, what do you think the biggest stress points are when working remotely? Um, well, you know, there's a lot of individual circumstances, Chris, like, you know, especially early on when children were still in school, you know, I heard and we got a lot of feedback about, you know, teams having to be super flexible in terms of what hours they worked. And, you know, there was lots of disruptions and supporting your children or if you're taking care of parents. So individual situations, I think that was hard and they largely fell to those individuals and their supervisors to kind of manage that. Um, you know, I would say, you know, as I look at, you know, 3M and our position in this pandemic, you know, the expectations of the company rose really quickly and broadened really quickly to something beyond just a manufacturer. Like there was this whole, you know, you got to supply and, you know, do it quickly and you've got to fight the fraud and the price gouging and all these things. And, you know, as we step back and looked at a finance organization, it's the same thing. You know, our expectations were they're growing on us in terms of, you know, what to take on and what to think about. Um, and, you know, not sitting on the sidelines, like being very proactive in how we think about some of these things and how do we think about our roles for the next month and the next quarter and the next set of issues that come up. So, you know, that that's kind of the way that um, my team and I have been thinking about it. 
We have another question from the audience I thought would be relevant. Um, and it's up to you whether, you know, how you want to answer it. It says, how has COVID, uh, the COVID pandemic impacted your 2020 and 2021 CapEx plan? So we have publicly announced that our CapEx plan has been reduced. So I would say it's been reduced though in a couple of ways. First, we reprioritized our capital spending towards the places that were growing. And I would say like that largely fell onto our PPE business. So, you know, we have um, invested quite a bit of money in making sure that we've got enough manufacturing capacity to hit that. That meant we took it away from other businesses and markets that weren't growing. And that's a normal part of business, but it was very acute. It happened very quickly. Um, and then I would say we really squeezed um, everything else. And maybe it was a bit, I'll use the word easier, a little easier of a process this year because, you know, we have a pretty diverse portfolio of businesses and there's some like PPE that are doing well and growing. And then there's a lot of our businesses at the very other end of the spectrum that are significantly impacted. Aerospace, automotive, oral care. It was quite easy to take sort of their funding and cut it. Um, so maybe it's not as easy in a normal year when you're trying right. to do, you know, dynamic resource uh, reprioritization, but we did do that. So we shrank the pool in its entirety and then we reprioritized towards businesses that were growing. Great. So we're going to ask uh, another polling question here. Um, and let me just, and uh, Michelle, you want to go ahead? Do you have a plan to have your finance function staff return to the office? Please be sure to make your selections and press submit. And don't forget to send any questions you have for our speaker today into the Q&A box. I'm going to give you about 15 more seconds left to respond and we will move to the results. And here are our results. Well, so it seems like most people, the majority of people, have a plan to get back into the office, um, at least for the finance function. One thing, um, Terry, I want to ask you was, uh, and this is more of a soft skill question, but uh, I think it's pretty relevant. Um, you know, there is, you know, prior to all, all this happening, there's a lot of discuss, discussion about, you know, whether the new crop of um, leaders that are coming up, you know, the, the economy's been really good, um, relatively doing relatively well, growing, um, whether they had experience in sort of the stressful times. And then all of a sudden, um, you know, you see, uh, you know, the world, not the world collapse, but it, it, you have not only a health crisis, you have economic crisis, uh, you have uh, things going in the supply chain, you have revenue issues, it's pretty much all at once. Uh, how do you think the new generation is responding to this? And, and, and what, what are the ways you can help them sort of navigate this time? Yeah, Chris, I think what you've listed there is a lot of 
unusual um, crises all kind of converging at once. And then maybe to like all the social justice activities. I mean, our headquarters is in the Twin Cities of St. Paul and Minneapolis and Minnesota, which, um, you know, kind of started some of this. But here's what I would say, like, each crisis is kind of a little different. Like I think back to the 2008, 2009, you know, recovering in 10, quite different. Like if you had a playbook for that and and you thought you could just pull it out and it would work for this crisis, it's pretty clear it doesn't, right? Maybe some of the tenants could be the same, but you know, this crisis is quite different, much more global, much deeper. What I would say, like some of the key skills I think about, um, and these I think are not different um, across crises or just working. I think about flexibility and being agile, being able to, you know, sort of not be frozen with like, okay, what do we do next? I I am a problem solver. You know, I'm resourceful. You know, you figure out how to keep moving forward, right? I would say that communication and collaboration, maybe I think that's ticked up a lot. We are far more global, not just as a company, but as a, a, as a culture, um, as a population of people, like that's just necessary. Chris, what I think a lot of our younger workforce is really good at and better than some of us that have been around for a long time is is they bring in a lot of external perspective. They bring in a lot of the social initiatives and the consciousness there. Um, And you see that a lot in the ESG work that companies are doing and thinking about. It's becoming a, it's rising, you know, in priorities. And I think the younger generation of our workforce, particularly a lot that I work with, they have that in mind. They're challenging you to always sort of keep that, you know, in the decision making. And I, I really appreciate it. They, they make you think different and they make you look at yourself in the mirror about things. And I think that that's going to add a lot to how we do business, not just at 3M, but, you know, every part of finance, I think, going forward. How are you handling more of the practical development issues like hiring and and reviews? Uh, How has that changed everything? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. So we are still doing some um, hiring in very specific places. I think like many companies were largely on a freeze of sorts, but nonetheless, um, particularly in finance where we have key roles, we are still hiring and working closely with our HR colleagues to create what that um, remote uh, hiring and remote transition looks like. Um, isn't all that easy and it requires a lot of flexibility on everybody's part. So I think that's sort of new, right? Where, you know, we used to get all these groups of people together and cohorts and it was this big start and process. I think people will miss that a little bit, right? Because that networking and that opportunity to be face to face, but we are still moving forward. And in fact, um, we did still have a, um, finance internship program this year at 3M um, in the in many parts of our globe uh, around the globe but particularly in the U.S. I'll speak to 
you know, we talked a lot about should we move forward? What should it look like? We decided to move forward with the virtual program. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of comes together at the end. What is the review from the intern pool and, and what is the review from, you know, those of us that ultimately, you know, review and do the hiring. But um, I think the group that's doing it is doing a great job getting them engaged and trying to do some fun things. Um, but really different, you know, than how we would yeah. ordinarily start people. So I have a question from audience that sort of um, fits into this. Um, would 3M ever consider a model where employees permanently work remotely? I know that can't be in all manufacturing, but maybe we're talking about finance and, and more of the office located work. You know, I don't know about the permanence piece of the question. Um, I think certainly it's opened um, eyes and thinking around the flexibility and what work can effectively be done. Um, right. Whether that was testing our IT capabilities or whether that was testing our supervisory and organizational capabilities. but. Yeah, I don't know about the permanence, but I think we will find that there are jobs, there are roles that can very effectively be done remote. And I think one of the things we're even talking about now is, you know, we have tended like I'll, I'll use our um, U.S. as an example, you know, bring everybody into headquarters. You know, now we've made some hires in the last six months they won't be there. They will continue to work from the East coast or, you know, from Texas or something. And I think it will be quite effective. And whether that decision is sort of just delayed and kicked down the road, or we ultimately find that we don't need everybody sitting next to each other to do that, I think will be a good outcome of this. We're going to be able to get to a broader diverse group of talent if we don't require them all to, you know, come work in our headquarters or wherever our offices are around the globe. Great. Uh, so I think the next um, polling question sort of gets to what we're talking about. And uh, maybe Michelle, we can kick that one off. Are your hiring plans for the finance function on hold for the near term? Please be sure to make your selections and press submit as the polling questions appearing right in the slide deck. Don't forget to submit any questions you have through the Q&A box, and we will get to them when, uh, when we can. Give you about 10 more seconds left to respond, and we will move to the results. And here are our results. That's interesting. So, so there's still hiring going on in the finance function. It's always needed. So, I think that's pretty much speaks to you know, although there may be a hiring freezes on, there's some positions that always need to be filled. Um, I wanted to go a little bit broader. Um, my next question is that you know, obviously, three can three M is a key provider of supplies during the pandemic. Um, did that change your perspective on your role or how the controllership operates? Maybe discuss a little bit about that. Yeah, um, I mentioned earlier that 
you know, the expectations for the company, I think, rose pretty quickly, acutely um, tied to our respirator business and our ability to manufacture those and get those into the hands of our our frontline healthcare workers. You know, and as I think about the things we did as a company to face that, it was largely around faster innovation. So we partnered where maybe we wouldn't have partnered before. You saw us partnering with Ford and Cummins to make ventilators and, uh, you, know, you know, the Pappers, um, excuse me, the Pappers. And so there was more public partner, um, public private partnering that we did, you know, reassess our manufacturing capabilities, take a more aggressive position on fraud and price gouging, that sort of thing. And so when I look at our finance organization, I think, yeah, it, it makes you think that, you know, there's a lot of speed to action right now, right? There's right. there's rallying around a crisis and being capable of doing that. But I think it's also about like taking what you've learned here and applying it to what we're going to do forward, going forward. And I feel like in finance, like you can take a lead on that, you know, feel like we can take a leadership role in sort of everything we do there. Um, and I, and I, I've said this to some of my team, you know, I, I never wanted like finance to be the issue that our CEO and CFO were worried about, right? Like they've got much bigger operational issues as a company to think about. And so as I look at finance and I've, I've mentioned this a couple of times now because it's been so important to me is just our need to be more digital and modern in, in that space so that our organization is running as effective as possible. And I think, you know, we have some of that. And I think that we've got a team that's super engaged and committed and, and just digs in and gets stuff done. And so what's the balance between that? What's the balance right. between having a really great automated process and system and the people that you depend on, you know, to sort of, you know, do all that month over month. And so um, I just think, you know, if I step back and I looked at what the company did broader, particularly our manufacturing and supply chain, like there was just like barrier after barrier that came up in front of this group. They closed borders, they changed regulations. Countries became very nationalistic and we had to like quickly address all of those things. And I feel like if you put finance in that role and you say, okay, we went to home, we had to figure out IT, we had to figure out all these COVID things. And some of those we've been able to sort of figure out and get under our belt, but some of them continue to escalate or change. And, and how do we think about that going forward um, in terms of being proactive and ready for some of that change? Well, I'm going to ask you one more question coming from me, and then we'll go to, to uh, the audience questions okay. exclusively. But um, this is my standard um, editorial question as I ask everybody. What, what's the fundamental lesson you've learned from this experience? Or, or have you even gotten to the point where you can really learn a lesson we're still in the midst of? Uh, I think there's a lot of lessons learned. Um, I think I've learned, you know, our, our capabilities to work remotely and stay connected and be a functional team are really high. 
And I, I'm not sure I doubted that before, but maybe I've got an exclamation point behind that, you know, having been through this now for several months. I do think there's a lot of opportunity ahead of my team in terms of how to make our jobs kind of easier and more productive going forward. So I think that is a key, key learning for me. But I think I step back and I think, okay, expectations were high before. Somehow they managed to get higher again. And I need to keep thinking like that. Like as expectations continue to grow, how can a finance and controllers organization really do more to step into that fray? You know, be a leader in that space, not sit back on the sidelines and sort of let things happen or wait is to really be, you know, a partner and leader in that. So that's sort of how I'm thinking about it in terms of, you know, our priorities for the rest of this year and really our priorities going into next year. Great. So, yeah, so I'm going to stop uh, hogging the microphone and um, we're going to start taking questions. Uh, we're going to go through the questions we have from the audience. Um, one of the questions is, how are you handling new vendors and other organizations joining with you during the pandemic? Um, I'm not sure I understand the question, but um, maybe I'll say it like this. So, you know, we are... Um, we are adding new vendors to our business quite a bit. In fact, as, as I think about, you know, our supply chain and our manufacturing, you know, we have always been sort of regional manufacturers around the globe, um, but making sure that we have stable um, sources of supply um, has been a key um priority, I would say, um, for our supply chain and sourcing organization. So we're adding new vendors in that space or kind of re-upping um, with vendors. Um, some are falling off the list too, by the way, for all kinds of reasons. I would say in terms of just adding other organizations to the mix, you know, we made an a, a acquisition in um, the fourth quarter and we're continuing to integrate. We're continuing on our plan of how we bring our businesses together. And so we've really tried not to let um, being at home in the pandemic get in the way of continuing that progress. Now, clearly there are things that just may get delayed or otherwise prioritized, but we haven't stopped the wheels of like integration on acquisitions or divestitures. Um, we announced a divestiture in the second quarter here and we'll just continue to move through our pipeline projects. So that really addresses one of the questions we had is has how has M&A activity been impacted by all this? So um, it sounds like you're just moving ahead with the plans. Well, I, would, I would say portfolio prioritization. It, it was a, a very high priority. It's one of our top five priorities as a company is to continue to refresh our portfolio. I would say um, maybe inherently the acquisition side of things has slowed. Um, I would say as we're, as, as we progress through the year, I'm, I'm imagining that 
that pipeline of portfolio work is going to continue. I mean, interestingly enough, we've seen a couple big acquisitions announced, um, you know, for other companies this week. So I do think that that's going to continue, whether it's opportunistic or whether, you know, their um, projects that, you know, 3M and others have been working on for a while. I think it, it will continue, albeit just at a different pace. Great. So we have a, a question about ERP. Um, are you keeping pace with plans on ERP implementation? And if so, how? Yeah, so um, we are in the middle, I would say, of a global ERP implementation and business transformation. Um, we did announce a couple years back, we had kind of paused some of the deployments to really focus on enhancement and optimization before we continued on that. But um, yes, we'll continue to do our um, deployment work. Um, it, it's on a delayed schedule. We have, we have said that publicly, um, but ultimately it is still our goal to move our um, large countries and organizations to a global platform. And so we'll keep doing um, that over time. Um, and as, as I think about, you know, some of the systems, you know, we've got different systems, we're all, you know, pulling together, being on um, one system or less systems than we are now is certainly something my organization supports. And, and we do a lot of work to support the optimization and then ultimately, which will be the next deployments to come up. Great. And then we have a little question about, well, I have a question about scenario planning. It's like, how are you dealing with the planning process, giving the increased uncertainty? Um, and the question goes on, is the length of time the same or are you trying to implement smaller agile cycles? Yeah, so the scenario planning we've done, you know, so we run a normal, um, I'll call it normal, we run a, a monthly forecasting process at 3M on a regular basis. We kind of do a, a tops down, a bottoms up in some cases. Um, in the scenario planning, we did both um, and, you know, kind of compared them and contrasted how they looked. We've right. refreshed that again now here in the second quarter. Um, as we looked at our strap plan, um, you know, we are thinking about a shorter period of time, you know, where maybe in the past we would have done five years or even three. We are taking it off in smaller chunks, quarters, you know, look out 10 quarters as an example. Um, you know, obviously very difficult to do because how quickly will um, some of these markets return? And as I mentioned, we have a really diverse portfolio businesses, many of them tied to manufacturing cycles and industrial but some of them tied to consumer and more, you know, GDP pace growth. So um, I think that in some cases, the smaller chunks and maybe feeling like you can do a better job with some shorter term views. But I'll tell you what, even the shorter term views are, um, you know, challenging to compare like an external um, outlook with, you know, what some of our internal business leaders see. Right. So uh, one thing I want to ask you is like, so how do you manage that? Especially, especially during stressful times when you have 
um, you know, there's pressure being put on operations and that flows down to the finance function. How do you manage that? How do you, or is that an issue do you deal with? Oh, right. It's an issue. I mean, we have a, a centrally global run operation. So our enterprise operations, which runs our manufacturing supply chain and customer operations, and they cut across all of our businesses. And that was a change we made in our reorganization in 2019 that I mentioned. And it's actually proven to be quite effective, I think, in one of the uh, organizational changes we made. You know, we partner a lot finance, when I say we, finance is partnering not only with the business, but significantly with our enterprise operations organization in terms of trying to keep pace with change. How do we effectively plan that manufacturing cycle? at low levels like plant, at higher levels like inventory levels all in the right places. So we are staying you know, pretty connected around the globe, um, finance, and then into some of these other key parts of the organization that either see you know, the end market demand and feed that back, um, and also sort of the inputs to the manufacturing cycle. So we have another question about CapEx. So it seems CapEx sounds on everybody's mind. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Do you find your CapEx spend forecast has been a uh, lift and shift to outer years, or is there a, any plan to stack some of the CapEx projects to next year? You know, the reality is, is it probably kind of shifts itself out. I, I would expect that our capital planning in 21 and maybe even 22, I mean, if you believe some of the, you know, return to normal outlooks, it, it, it's going to take a while. I would imagine that our CapEx spending will follow that cycle and you will not see us stacking. So if it was delayed this year, you know, it gets put back in our, you know, sort of hoppering process for prioritization. But I don't imagine you'll see it all kind of stacked on top of each other. I think you'll see us resetting like many companies, you know, we're going to look out our forecasts of cash um, inflow and decide what that means for capital um, right. and what's a priority versus, you know, what's a nice to have. So we have another question that's sort of broader. Um, what are the changes 3M has made due to the virus that you hope are here to stay? Uh, well, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about working yeah. remote. I think that idea and the flexibility that kind of uh, – is the umbrella over all that. I think I would really like to see that stay. I'd like to see that in, in finance in particular is, is really, you know, we've had those programs and opportunities and we've said that over the years, you know, that we want to be flexible, but I think having shown our capabilities and like we feel good about them and we proved them out to others. And I think in many parts of our business, this could be said, not just finance. Um, so I'd love to see that flexibility. Um, 
I think that there's been some good discussion and improvements on processes. You know, I'd say, you know, as we're sitting at home and we're focused on things, a lot of people raising their hands and saying, why are we doing X or Y? And couldn't we do it like this? And I, I love that. I'm all for thinking like that. And so a lot of that was around before, but now I think people have a lot of focus on it. Um, and, and are really, and by the way, with our escalation process, I talked about, you know, there's a, there's a straight line to my leaders and myself in terms of some of this. So, um, I'd love to see that kind of, you know, uh, process improvement, whether it's, processes, controls, our reporting, our tools, you know, all of those things that people are thinking and seeing, um, I'd like to see those improvements and those ideas keep pushing forward. Great. And I think I have time for one more question. Okay. Uh, And (laughs) there's a lot. Um, What uh, skills as a controller and and CAO uh, do you think you found most important during this period? I guess what I would say is, um, boy, you really have got to be um, in constant communication and really availing yourself to your team and your people and asking questions too. Like, I guess maybe if if I were just waiting for all these things to land in my email box or fall on my lap, um, I could be disappointed. So, you know, where, where I start to get questions or where I start to see there's a trend, you know, sort of really reaching out and asking questions. Um, so I, I think that's important is that connection and collaboration. I, I've done that a lot. So being available, um, I would say problem solving, like that idea that, you know, if, if we hit a barrier, we keep going, like, how do we remove it? How do we think of a way of doing it different? Um, what other parts of the organization could we involve, you know, further upstream to help us with something such that it doesn't wait till it falls into the financials. So, you know, maybe those are a couple of things that come top of mind. Um, I guess, too, I just remain really I said this a couple of times, but maybe I don't feel I can say it enough is, you know, I think we're really fortunate that we have great finance professionals um, and that's made a huge difference in our ability to deliver. Great. Um, I think uh, let me see. I think we have time for one more question. Um, I'll try to find one that's not (laughs) or I'll be quick in my answer how about that (laughs) yeah Um, do you anticipate that certain people jobs will never return to the office and uh, that they can be done remotely yeah I suppose that's probably true Um, I, I don't yeah, I think that's probably true. Maybe I, I don't have on the top of my head like what precisely those roles could be. But yes, I do suspect there are roles, particularly in finance, particularly at 3M, that could be done remotely quite effectively. So I, I do imagine that could be something that is in the future. Great. 
Well, I think that's all the time that we have. I want to thank you, Terry. It's been terrific. I think there's a lot of that we can learn from this discussion. And I just want to say thank you. Um, and, um, and thank the audience for all your participation. And um, that's it. Yeah, thank you, Chris. And thanks for all the good questions. Uh, good luck, everyone. And have a great uh, have a great weekend. 